Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden and this is The Leader. It's the day after Rishi Sunak sacked Nadeem Zahawi as Conservative Party chairman for a serious breach of the ministerial code as an ethics investigation ruled former Chancellor Zahawi failed to declare an HMRC probe into his tax affairs. Now the PM's battling a ratings slump just three months into the top job. According to exclusive polling for the Evening Standard, Labour leader Sakir Starmer overtakes Sunak as the person voters consider the most capable Prime Minister. We would do this, Amanda, in terms of that number. Would that be the PM you? started the working week at the University Hospital of North Tees, trying to draw a line under the Zahawi affair, while Health Minister Helen Waitsley defended the boss on BBC Breakfast. The Prime Minister did the right thing, uh, followed the, the, the clearly due process. Um, he wants to have... A government which has integrity, which is accountable, which is professional, and that's a process, and he removed Nadim Zahawi from government. And so what's next for Zahawi, who was also Parliamentary Undersecretary of State in charge of the UK's vaccines rollout? Will he hold that healthy majority as Stratford-upon-Avon MP? Or will his political career reach to mangle Shakespeare, a necessary end? First, we're joined from Westminster by Evening Standard political editor Nick Cecil. Nick, what's Monday's splash? Our splash today is our exclusive poll from Ipsos, which shows uh, Rishi Sunak's woes are deepening. Previously, the expectation was, or the question was, could Rishi Sunak bring up the Conservative Party after the chaos of the Liz Truss administration? And while he may have done that initially, our poll now shows that actually his personal popularity is dropping quite sharply. So the poll found that basically 32% of adults believe now that he has what it takes to be a good prime minister. And that's down a, a start 10 points from November. And he's actually now fallen behind Sir Keir Starmer on this question. So the Labour leader has leapfrogged the prime minister in who the country think is the best person to lead Britain. How's it come to this? And is this normal for PMs at such a very early stage in their premiership? No, I suspect they'll be uh, alarmed in Downing Street about this poll. They tend not to get too worried about individual polls, but certainly this will certainly raise some eyebrows. And there are probably three factors at play here. One is the cost of living crisis. Obviously, lots of people, lots of families and other households up and down the country finding their budgets being squeezed as double-digit inflation bites into their spending power. 
Then you've got this wave of strikes, and the government has so far shown no ability to bring all this industrial action to an end. So on the railways, nurses, paramedics, teachers coming up now as well, civil servants and border guards and other workers. And then there's this series of controversies which the Conservative Party just seem not to be able to get away from. So the, the latest one is about Nadim Zahawi's tax affairs. He's been found to be in serious breach of the ministerial code and um, Rishi Sunak sacked him uh, uh, early on Sunday morning as Conservative Party chair. But that's not the only um, storm uh, at Westminster. There's a string of bullying allegations against the Deputy Prime Minister, Dominic Raab, and also lots of questions being asked about um, the BBC chairman and his links to Boris Johnson. Uh, the chairman, Richard Sharp, was appointed when Boris Johnson was PM. The Prime Minister was on that hospital visit with Steve Barclay this morning. What was his messaging? Certainly on his visit to County Durham this morning, he had a pretty stark message to, to health workers who we spoke to up there. He, he was saying that basically the government has got a grip on inflation. The Prime Minister has pledged a half inflation this year, which is in line with kind of forecasts from the Bank of England and, and the OPR and other economists. But he, he was warning that if the government fails to bring down inflation, then in his words, it will be awful if inflation was still very high in a year's time because it basically erodes everyone's spending powers because pay rises are not rising at the same level at double digit levels. How Sunak getting on with his five key pledges? Apart from the one on inflation, he hasn't set any timescale for the other ones. So they're big promises, but if you don't put a timescale on it, then you're basically correcting your own homework and you can say whether you've passed or failed. But the voters, certainly they have a quite a clear view now. So just going back to our poll this morning, now it's just two in 10 adults uh, in Britain think the government is competent and 62% disagree with that. And two thirds say it's time for a change of government at the next election, which we expect probably to be in the autumn of 2024. So the public, certainly at the moment, seem to have a pretty clear view on how the government is doing. What is the job of the Conservative Party chair and who are the mooted runners and riders now for the role? The role is quite an important role. And there are several important tasks that the party chairman or chairwoman tends to undertake. First of all, that individual is often put up for media interviews to do the morning media Around. So they need to be a very competent individual who can speak across lots of topics. Now, for, for Mr. Zawi, kind of, he's a popular MP. He's very competent. He was vaccines minister during the COVID pandemic and was praised for his performance there. But he couldn't take to the airways every morning because all he'd be asked about was his tax affairs and the fact he'd reached this settlement with the tax man, including a penalty. So he clearly couldn't carry on in the role. Then in, in terms of who might replace him, um, lots of people started talking about William Hague this morning, the former Tory leader. He was very, very quick to stamp down on, the, on that rumour and say he was not returning to frontline politics at all and certainly not to the uh, party chairman role. There's even talk that Boris Johnson might be appointed to do that role, but I think that's unlikely given that he's facing an inquiry still into Partygate. Brandon Lewis might return that role. He's a solid performer and certainly at a time of crisis, um, he can steady the ship. Let's go to the ads. Coming up, top LSE economist on Zahawi's mega tax bill and just what is the Duchy of Lancaster? Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. 
The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Now we're joined by Dr Grace Lorden, a Labour economist at the London School of Economics. Grace, please could you catch us up on the detail of the Nadim Zahawi tax storm? Basically, this is a big business, YouGov, a big share sale by Balchor Investment, which is tied to the Deems family and overall a dispute about whether or not the shares were taxable and at what rate they were taxable at. But the interesting man, I think, in this is a guy called Dan Nedel, who's this independent tax expert who's just started poking around the documents linked to Nadim. And he concluded that the shares should have been taxable. This is all playing out kind of July seven months ago. So we saw some shuffles around cabinet because of this. There's a narrative that has come out only last week around a seven figure that was made public that there's disagreement between the HMRC about what his father was entitled to and Nadim had been careless. Now I think the most interesting thing about all of this is that it's been going on for an extraordinary amount of months and it's just because there was this ethical investigation that was led by Laurie Magnus on behalf of Rishi that he's finally gotten fired. How can he hold on so long in quite a lot of positions? Um, instead it was just a series of sideways shuffles. When Boris picked him to become Chancellor of the Exchequer it probably was a good pick because he had a pretty good kind of history of service. And I think none of this had actually surfaced, at least not from the kind of July, the kind of the, the big the big allegations. I think the shuffling around by Rishi is probably down to a few things. So one, he was somebody, of course, who backed Rishi after he withdrew himself to become prime minister. So he's very much much in Rishi's corner. Two, I think there's an over-optimism these days that people will just forget. So when negative things happen, this kind of moving somebody out of the limelight, and, and people did forget actually, for a while you know from July to now is actually is quite a long time and I think three you know we were remiss to not kind of think about Rishi's own tax where basically we're kind of, people were really irritated that his wife had this non-dom status which actually is legal so maybe there was some doubt in Rishi's mind for a time and I think as well there's a lot of rumours going around that he didn't know the full facts of it until very very recently so he was left a bit blindsided so all of this is probably Rishi's way of trying to balance mounting pressure for him to push out Nadim and him trying to keep his best supporter and really figure out what the truth of the story actually is. From an economic perspective, how do you rate his almost two-month tenure as Chancellor and that crucial role as pandemic vaccines rollout minister? I think if you were to look at him, this is definitely a guy who jumps in and rolls up his sleeves and tries to get things done. And I think this worked really well for the COVID vaccine. So he was kind of used to setting up businesses. This was new territories. There wasn't as much politics around ownership. There was lots of people already on the ship. So he did really well, actually, I think, as health minister. He did less well as education minister. And people don't really talk about it because Gavin Williamson hadn't done that well. So it kind of blended in. But he kind of came in and he didn't handle the teacher strikes very well. He, He tread on a lot of toes. I think when Boris chose him as Chancellor of the Exchequer, I was kind of scratching my head today about his big achievements during that period. I think really his only achievement was to get rid of Boris Johnson. And, you know, you can decide for yourself whether that was a a good thing or a bad thing, given, given what we're facing today. So I think overall, this is somebody who does really well with getting things done when he doesn't necessarily have to navigate politics that's quite entrenched. But when there is politics entrenched, his record is a bit mixed, to be honest. 
Let's also dip in on Jeremy Hunt. How's his economic planning going in your view? Any signs of signs of progress? I mean, maybe I'm going through a cynical phase in life, but it felt a bit like the same old guff. So he has these four pillars, education, employment, enterprise everywhere. And it's really what you would expect. We invest in education, we invest in labour markets, we invest in business. And, you know, it's not just about London. It's about lots of other places. I would have felt much better if he had one of those ease as equality. So, you know, since he's been in that position, he did take it over during periods of extraordinary high inflation. I don't really see anything major that he's done that's changing that, to be honest. I mean, it's it's really being moved by kind of forces that are outside himself. In a couple of weeks, we will get the new inflation figures. And I'm expecting that they're still pretty high. And finally, Grace, could you explain what the Duchy of Lancaster is and why it's got its own chancellor? About five years ago, I was at a dinner where somebody explained this to me painfully for an hour. And I did think it was an hour of my life that was totally wasted. And now it feels that I actually, I can use it. But it is actually, it's super interesting. So, you know, we don't normally think about this role because it's obviously not as visible as the Chancellor of the Exchequer. But this actually is the most powerful person in government next to Rishi himself. So it really actually does matter for the public who is holding the role. This is all linked to the monarchy. So currently there are two royal duchies in England. There's the Duchy of Lancaster and the Duchy of Cornwall. And these are basically regulated by Parliament, but they're owned by the Crown. And their role is to provide income to the monarch. And and they do this by holding these large and complicated land portfolios. And I think what's interesting about asking this question today is that they don't actually have to pay tax on these portfolios. It's not a necessity, but they have done so since sometime in the early 90s. And the business of this portfolio, which is very, very large, is overseen and administered by the Chancellor of the Duchy of, of, of Lancaster, which is now held by Oliver Dowden. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back on Tuesday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.